And I couldn't thank uh, Tom Middlebrun, the executive director of Southeastern Michigan, NECA, and Jason Head, the assistant executive director. And for that matter, the whole NECA board of directors, we just sat through one of their meetings. Jennifer Mefford, who you've heard me talk about before, the director of business development, she organized this event and most of the great NECA events. Uh, Jamie Bohannik is here. Uh, I, I just want to thank the entire NECA staff for having us out here at one of our favorite places to be, the Capitol Grill. And uh, with that thought in mind, thanks to Tim Wilkins, managing partner, Lisa Banish, special events, holiday parties, etc., and, of course, all the servers and chefs. We just had a great behind-the-sports-desk with WJR Sports Wrap, uh, featuring, of course, Sean Belegian and Lomas Brown, and we're going to talk to them in just a couple of minutes but let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what has been in the news. Well, let me first say, I think in a chance as we were closing out yesterday, uh, we had our 13th annual 2023 women, well, 13th annual was the 2023rd Women Who Lead Honoree Lunch, uh, and we were at Joe Muir Seafood, and Dave Rieger, our producer, Brian Morton back at the station, Rich Luzinski, Ann Thomas, Danielle Mason, uh, Ray Templin, Ron Smerrigan, a whole group of people, and many more from the station that made it all possible. It was spectacular. One thing we weren't able to do is get all of the women who lead on, because not everyone could be there. So we have one today, uh, David? Yeah. Uh, one of the women who lead who would be in that school of uh, twenty class of 2023, if you will, and we will meet her on this program today. Now, uh, I watched, I, I don't know how many people did, did did you guys watch the uh, debate? I watched the debate. I watched a little bit of it, yep. I watched it from start to stop. Tony did not. Yeah, I understand. Um, I'm thinking Brian back there. If Brian still Is Brian still running the board? Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say a lot of people didn't watch it, and I know that the president, uh, President Trump, was having another event, and I don't know how where that was. It was on your Internet or on any television uh, network carrying it. But anyway... The I thought the debate was good. I thought they did well uh, because there were only five people, and so there was far less people trying to get heard because they didn't feel they were getting called upon or whatever. So we heard more from the individuals, and I think they all did a pretty decent job. Uh, I should have asked Brian to get the sound of the really the most heated exchange that happened last night was frankly uh, under uh, about TikTok and uh, and uh, Haley was saying uh, Miss Haley was saying uh, how she didn't like TikTok and we should get rid of it Nikki Haley was saying it's it's run by the Chinese they're giving us uh, they're doing a lot of bad things with it and I I believe that but then she attacked uh, Ramaswamy uh, basically for using uh, TikTok to uh, advertise and whatever. It's just the area there. They had a real disagreement about TikTok. But then Ramaswamy uh, did the what is generally unthinkable and untouchable. Ramaswamy criticized Nikki Haley for criticizing TikTok when, as he put it, her own daughter was using TikTok. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Did it, did you guys see this? Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to drag you in this while you're eating a wonderful lunch here at Cabin Grill. But but she she reacted like you would expect a mom to react. 
The only thing she didn't do is what I would have said was, you son of a bitch. That's what I would have said. You leave my family out of this. But what she did do was reminiscent of Will Smith. I was having like a Will Smith flashback because uh, she should have gone. Yeah, right. She should have gone over and slapped him. But, but she didn't. But she said, leave my daughter out of your voice. Now, that's reminiscent of what Will Smith said. He said, leave my wife out of your mouth, which I, also, I, I thought that was kind of weird at the time. And this was kind of weird. But she really got angry. And then as he was speaking, she said under her breath, but not under the microphone, because the microphone's right there. She said, scum. She called him scum. And, and frankly, although he did a pretty good job, like he explained how Joe Biden really isn't running for re-election, they're going to take that, drag it out as far as they can, and try to keep other people from running. And then at the last minute, they think they're going to put their person in. I think that's a pretty uh, legitimate guess as to what's happening, because Joe Biden can't be president again. I mean, he can't. He's having such a hard time now. But anyway, that was, I don't know, Rieger, did you see that part? I did that see was that like, part. I, I hate to say it that. It happened to be the part that I was watching. Well, I hate to say it was the high point. But the reality is it was it was the most interesting point, I'll say. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, Ramaswamy always, throughout all these debates, he's very bombastic and just outspoken. Wait, he started off uh, criticizing. Yeah. The panel. Well, he criticized, he criticized the panel. He said, if we were doing this the right way, we'd have Tucker Carlson and uh, Joe Rogan Joe Rogan and, 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 and Elon, Elon Musk. And Elon Musk yeah. I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. But, but So he criticized the panel right away. He criticized the head of the uh, Republican Party. Yeah. Um, he said he was tired of the GOP being losers. And, and she was there, and he said, all right, you want to uh, question me on this? You want to challenge me on this? Come on up here. Let's talk. And he told her, he said, come up and resign. It was it was so bizarre, but you know it's in a sense refreshing in its own way. It's certainly different from what the Republicans have done, and I'm afraid the Republicans are going to have to wake up and smell the coffee to act surprised in the election Tuesday that abortion is still an issue is so ridiculous. And let me just tell the Republican Party that's listening right now, it will always be an issue. If you take a woman's right to choose away from her, you are not going to win. Because even women who are totally against abortion don't like women's rights or freedom to make decisions taken away from them. Have we not learned that yet? If you don't understand that, if you really are so anti-abortion, my suggestion is to not run for office in this country because you're not going to win right now. Resign. And go fight abortion. There are plenty of ways to do that. And former President Trump says he's bored by the primary debates, so he's not going to attend the next one either. There's another one? Yeah, there's another one coming up, yeah. How many are they doing until they just drop out and there's one guy? <laughs> might, be, might be it. I'm here to do the debate. And I would have said. I, don't, I, I didn't know there was yet another one. Yeah. So uh, he's, uh, he said he's bored by the primary debates. Well, I think, you know, and he says, why should I debate somebody when I'm 60 points ahead of him or whatever he says? I still think he should be there to talk a little bit or be challenged a little bit. I'm pretty sure that everybody knows what he has to say, and I'm pretty sure that if he was there, he would probably well, win Well, Nikki the Haley says he's saying different things. He's not saying the same things. She said he was the right president at the right time, but now he's kind of backed off. She said that he was trying to make nice with people that we can't make nice with. 
I don't know. I can only tell you this. If you can separate the personality from the policy, um, you do a lot better looking at former President Donald Trump. And I say that knowing him for 40 years, personally. And uh, it's just that he gets, he kind of runs amok, I'm afraid. And I don't know if that's going to work. On the other hand, honestly, if it really came down to, if it really came down to President Joe Biden or President Donald Trump, how could you possibly vote for a man who doesn't really know where he is most of the time he is anywhere? It's sad. I don't, I don't make jokes about it. I don't make fun of him, but his issues are very real. And uh, these are not the issues we want to see in a, in a president. Look, my grandfather lived to be 100. God bless Grandpa Harry. But I wouldn't have wanted him to be president of the United States his last 20 years on this planet. So I'm not, it's not an old person thing I'm saying. It's just the ability, his cognitive failures are now too many to, to list to be the president of the United States. And we're watching other countries take advantage of this perceived weakness in the White House. And the next debate is going to be December the 6th at 8 p.m. News Nation is going to be hosting it. If you remember, uh, Megyn Kelly from Fox, who's now with News Nation, she's going to be hosting that. Megyn Kelly, I wondered what happened to her. Yeah. Okay, well, you'll remind us when we get even closer. December 6th as opposed to December 7th. Yes. I'm sorry? She's on TikTok? She, does yes, she, she is. Yes, does she, she is. do a show on TikTok? Do they do shows on she TikTok? Has a, she has a show on Sirius XM Radio, but she, but she does stuff on TikTok, too. And, and what about uh, Tucker? Where is Tucker? Is he doing a daily X. show? I don't. He does stuff on X. But not a daily show. I don't know if it's daily, no. Because the poor guy's got to squeeze on by making $20 million a year doing no job for Fox. They still have to pay him. I want to get fired from a $20 million a job, $20 million a year job. Is it, can you guys arrange that for me? Tom, you can do anything. Can you arrange that for me? Work on that. All right. Coming up, Sean Belege and Lomas Brown. We just had a great meeting with some great people here at the Capitol Grill, the Paul W. Smith Show, live in the boardroom, sponsored by the National Electrical Contractors Association of Southeast Michigan, NECA. Stay with us. Hey, if it's your birthday today, happy birthday to you. You celebrate it with one of my favorite people of all time, Annie Rummel. Annie Rummel, do you recall we do our broadcast from Annie and Willie's porch in Frankenmuth for the Frankenmuth Auto Show every year? Sean, you've been there. Oh. Pretty pretty darn good meal the night before. Boy, do they put on a spread. Lomas, you would love it. You right? would love it, Lomas. You would love it. The night before, we have a nice dinner, and uh, and then we do the broadcast the next day. We're going to do it again. Uh, it, we, it won't be so early in the morning this time. Uh, we'll do it again coming up. But uh, we wanted to make sure, uh, if you know Annie Rummel, know that it's her birthday. Give her a call and wish her a happy birthday from all of us. And you know Sean Belegian is sitting right here along with Lomas Brown. These are the co-hosts of Sports Rap. Bringing back Sports Rap was one of the best things the station ever did. Uh, it started on WJR, the original sports rap, and it is uh, now here and uh, and most enjoyable. And we thank uh, the guys for bringing us together. Tom Middlebrun, uh, the executive direct- director of Southeastern Michigan, NECA. Jason Head, assistant executive director. Jennifer Mefford, the NECA staff. Jamie Bohenick, all the people here from NECA, always nice people. And they brought us together for a very special behind-the-sports-desk with our WJR sports rap team. 
And I, we start in a very wonderful position, and we couldn't always say, well, no, let me give you this news first. You guys know this news. I didn't know it. But we're told the Tigers have hired veteran baseball announcer Jason Benetti to replace Matt Shepard as the club's play-by-play voice on Bally Sports Detroit broadcasts. Sean, you know this guy, so tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, a very familiar voice. You may not know the name, but if you've watched sports at all on television, Lo and I were just talking about it, you'd know his voice. He, he's got, uh, you know, one of those golden voices, one of those deliveries. Uh, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like he's going to be doing, as I read this, Paul, at least 127 games per year. He'll be employed by the Tigers as opposed to uh, uh, employed by Bally. And our good friend Dan Dickerson will Love be filling Danny. in for some games on which, Bally. Which so. I said to you, I said, how can Danny do the television and the radio? It's a great question. I, I wonder if they'll find somebody to fill in on radio. And, you know, a lot of times now, Paul, in, in the broadcast business, they do these simulcasts as well, where they do audio and uh, video together. I'm a traditionalist. I, I think that it should sound one way on the radio and sound one way oh, on television. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it works. But uh, congratulations on Jason. He's yeah. a, a tremendous hire by the Tigers. I, I hate to ask a question I don't know the answer to, but I hear Matt Shepard filling in on our station now. What happened to Matt with that job? Did he just walk away? I, or Your guess is as good as mine. I haven't talked to him. You know, Matt's been a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. I think I can say the same thing for yeah. you, Lomas, for a long time. and. I didn't even ask him about it. You know, I, I just said, hey, I, I love you, brother. You need anything, let me know. And, you know, it's great that we've heard his voice on our airwaves, and I hope we continue to hear more of it. I, I think sometimes, Paul, decisions are made for one reason or another, and it's just time to go in a different direction. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about those Lions because, you know, for years, if I were sitting here with a couple of guys and knew I had to talk about the Lions. It wasn't a lot of fun, but it's a lot of fun now. It really is. It's been so much fun covering this team, watching this team grow, and just the expectations that this team has, uh, not just from the team, but from the fans um, and just from around the league. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, as a player, former player, anything that's said to you by your peers, it, it, it means a lot more. And how the league is talking about the Lions, the respect that TV is giving the Lions now when they flex the game to make that the prime, you know, a semi-prime time game, uh, being on Monday night TV. So they're getting their kudos right now. And the thing about it, a lot of times, like in the past, when they would get their kudos, sometimes they wouldn't live up to the expectations so far this year, they've been living up to all the expectations. It's yeah. been a blast, Paul. Yeah. Six and two, yes. first place in the driver's seat in the division. You have to remember, this is a franchise that hasn't won the division in 30 years. Yes. You know, 30 <laughs> years, yes. lowest part of that team. I was team. playing, yeah. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we'll have our first playoff game. We in the media are allowed to look ahead. Hopefully we'll have our first playoff game at Ford Field ever. Yeah. That would be so because oh. we already know that it's going to be a home field advantage. Our fans are so awesome, and I'm telling you, the player, you just don't know what that does to a player when you're struggling a little bit and you got 60,000 fans behind you cheering you on. That gives you kind of that little energy that you need to get through things. So for us to have a home playoff game, that would be huge. Well, big fans of Dan Campbell. I, 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 I know him a little. I don't know Brad Holmes at all, but obviously we have to say he's been doing a great job. 
and frankly, uh, Sheila Ford Hamp mm-hmm. uh, has done a tremendous job. She, you were telling me earlier, Loma, she's there. She's at every practice. She's yes. on the field. Yes, she's and she goes on. from from she goes well, from Mrs. drill to drill. Yes, Martha Ford apparently did this. Would, would walk from drill to drill. Absolutely makes a difference when it, the boss is standing does. there. Absolutely, like I said, man, you don't want to slack off in practice when the boss standing there watching you. But it's just it just shows the player shows the guys how much they're invested in this team, and how it's a new day, new day with the Lions organization. Like you said, Sean, earlier, and I like what you said, you can't say this the same old Lions. No, you just can't no, say that. No. You, you, people shouldn't use that term again because this is new. This is different. We're seeing something different. And you, it might not always look good. It's not going to always look good. But they're consistent with their message, and their message is finally starting to be ingrained in that organization. Do we dare wonder aloud how far we can go? I don't think there's any harm in doing it. I don't. I think in the past I, I would caution people, shh, don't, don't, don't. No, there's, there's nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with that because I think to what Lomas just said, the biggest thing to me, Paul, these guys aren't letting the outside noise affect them in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. No matter how people are putting them on a, how high they're putting them on the pedestal, this is a team that goes out there and conducts their business. And to me, I think one of the signs of a good team is when you find a way to win games when you don't have your best game. And this is a team that's done that. So I, I firmly believe we haven't seen the best of this team yet. I, yeah. I think the best that's is yet exciting. to come. That's exciting. All right, uh, before I let you go, um, What's it been like bringing back the iconic sports rep that started on WJR, Sean, and then bringing in Lomas? Unbelievable. You know, I mean, I, like so many other people in this area, Paul, I, I grew up listening to sports rap and in, in the, the various incarnations. And um, when, when the boss, you know, uh, suggested to me, maybe we should bring Lomas aboard, I, I, I literally texted him, please tell me this is true, because Lo and I were talking about it at camp, so to work with a, a, a great guy in a Detroit legend on, on an iconic radio station, uh, pinch me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> well, don't just pinch him. Listen uh, every night, 6 o'clock on 760 WJR. Thank you, Sean Belegian and Lomas Brown. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Guys, Paul. good to see you. And, and again, we did this before live on the air. Yeah. Uh, I'll say it again. Congratulations you, on Paul. being a pride of the Lions. Thank mm-hmm. you. I can't think of anyone better for that. You. I appreciate yeah. that. It's all I right. You can clap. <laughs> yeah. As we continue in focus on WJR. It's been a great day. We started a little earlier for a special NECA meeting and behind the sports desk with WJR Sports Wrap, as we mentioned, uh, Lomas Brown, Sean Belegian, and we had a lot of fun. We then watch them do a, a meeting. They always have good meetings. You know that, Tom? You always have good meetings. Yeah, we, because we got good people. Yeah, you do have good people. you got a lot of good things going on. Tom Middlebrun is the executive director of the National Electrical Contractors Association. We say NECA. It's National Apprenticeship Week this coming week. And uh, it's pretty doggone important. It's very important. It kind of ties in nicely, too, with the NECA uh, careers portal. Tell us a little about that. That's new since we last saw each other. Yes, it's very new. Um, our team has been working very hard on that. And we've now we're up to, uh, oh, I think it's uh, seven or eight colleges and universities that we've connected with that these young people are getting on, uploading their resumes and their information uh, to almost 50 
uh, electrical contractors in our area, and of course we're going to be adding more. That This portal is still growing, and we're very excited about it, giving these uh, folks, and, and you know, we, we tend to think about students and young people, but this is also for other people, uh, alumni of these colleges and universities or other folks looking to change get into your career. Yeah, to change career or just, just just come work for one of our fabulous contractors in southeastern Michigan. Well, I've been out to, to your training areas, the school, if you will, all of that, and it's astonishing what you do, and it is astonishing um, what kinds of jobs are available right now for people who go through this training and join NECA and, and get a... An incredibly well-paying job. Yes, our you know our apprenticeship program uh, and our training center trains you know the field workers, but we also do uh, journeyman upgrading and other specialty training. On top of that, once you graduated, you never stop uh, learning in our field. And in our industry, many of our many of the people you saw here today went through those programs, became estimators, project managers, business owners, and there, there's a lot of different opportunities and different career paths. You, you mentioned myself and Jason had earlier. We went through those those electrical apprenticeships. We both I've had different careers in this industry. So has Jason, and uh, we're just a you know a small example of what's uh, possible. Well, it's you're a great example of what's possible and how great that is. Tell me, uh, for people who are not exactly sure, what uh, National Apprentice Week is. Well, and I I can't remember when it started, but it's uh, certainly. Uh, very important to recognize the need across our country for all the various skilled trades. And here locally, although we, we're doing it, we do it at different times of the year now, uh, just because this time of year tends to be a little busier, we actually we, um, we have an apprenticeship roadshow where we take all these high school and community college counselors out to all of our training facilities. We do it in two waves, west side, east side and take them all to, to get a hands-on experience so they can go back and communicate this to their students. Um, when you and I were kids, Paul, they had, or you got exposure in the high schools with wood shop, metal shop, auto shop, electricity, architecture, mechanical drawing, and a lot of those things don't, don't exist in the high schools anymore. Yeah. So it's very important to have these um, folks that work at our in our educational community come out to these training centers so they can see what opportunities are available to their students. And and the theme for this year's National Apprenticeship Week, which starts uh, Monday, and we'll go through some of the things scheduled, the theme is Registered Apprenticeship, Super Highway to Good Jobs. That really says it all. It's the truth. And it does, and there's high demand. So it's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. Monday, November 13th, Registered Apprenticeship for Youth. Tuesday, November 14th, Registered Apprenticeship in New and Emerging Industries. Wednesday, November 15th, Expanding Registered Apprenticeship to Underserved Populations. Thursday, November 16th, Women in Registered Apprenticeship. And Friday, November 17th, Registered Apprenticeship for Veterans and Federal Employees. How great is that? It's fabulous. And before I forget, I should mention, since we're talking about apprenticeships, our window is opening November 20th to the 24th. For two of our classifications, our Sound and Communication, Limited Energy, uh, Data Management, and our residential program. And that's at www.detroiteitc.org. So those windows are opening for, for people to come in and apply for those apprenticeship programs. I'm a, I'm, I try to write it down when you're saying it. DetroitEITC.org. .org. Yes. DetroitEITC.org. Any other locations we should send them or websites or pages for more information, especially not just for this uh, uh, 
apprenticeship week this next week, but for everything? Well, you know, we're always happy to support all of our all of our friends in the industry. So we belong to an organization called Must Management and Unions Serving Together. And if they go on that website, I just think it's simply must.org, you will see links and details on all the apprenticeship programs for all the different skilled trades. Tom Middlebrun, Executive Director, National Electrical Contractors Association. Thanks for doing this thing today, and thanks for having us. Well, as always, you're always welcome to hang out with us. We love hanging out with you. We got another cigar night coming up or not? Uh, pretty. Sure we're going to do the bocce ball first with PLS, but then we're definitely <laughs> going to do another cigar night. I don't know. I, I don't know if I if I'm allowed to do a shameless plug, but I I want you to do a shameless but, plug. But, uh, you know, I I went to my old stomping grounds where I grew up in Shelby Township, and there's a really nice new cigar bar out there named Don Christos. Don and, uh, Christos, Shelby yeah. Township. Yeah, tw- basically 23 and uh, Van Dyke. 23 and Van Dyke. All right, we'll look forward to seeing there you. There you go, buddy. We have to test these things out and check yes. them out for professional reasons. That's right. Well, and, and thank you so much for the fine cigar today. Oh. I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope to hear from you that you enjoyed that one a lot. It's a special cigar I will. for thank a special you. man. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Paul. We continue here in Focus on WJR. Hey, a moment ago we heard uh, from our own Rich Lazinski. He was talking about Metro cars. I, mean, I wanted to do this at the start of the show. It was too busy, but I'm going to do it now. I depend on Metro Cars a lot, and uh, and I thank them for the good service. And Lathe, I get Lathe as my driver as often as I can. And if you see Lathe, please tell him that Paul W. mentioned him on the show because Lathe is busy and he's he's driving. He probably isn't hearing me, but th- he's a great guy. And uh, I just think all the guys and gals at Metro Cars do a great job. And coming into this holiday season, um, if you're going to be partying and doing stuff, don't drive. Get a Metro car, please, or get a designated driver that isn't drinking. Let's just keep it a safe holiday we're coming into. Well, it was uh, anything but safe on the debate stage last night. Uh, The director of debate, University of Michigan Debate Program, Aaron Call, is on the line. Aaron, always a pleasure getting your expertise uh, on now this, the third GOP debate. What did you think? Yeah, I thought... um it was nice having a smaller field of candidates. I thought it was probably the most substantive and thorough debate thus far. But NBC News and the moderators, uh, Lester Holt, Kristen Welker, and Hugh Hewitt, were very experienced and did a great job. And um, overall, I think the, the best of the three debates. But as you mentioned, very contentious. I think a lot of the candidates uh, saw a sense of urgency and, and acted accordingly. Yeah, the, the the biggest one is the very clear, and I guess we've gotten hints of this before, but it's very clear that uh, the two candidates uh, don't like each other at all, Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, it goes beyond just, um, well, it goes beyond the field of play and the fact that you want to win and you want to beat that other person, because at the end, of all games, they're supposed to be, other than UAW, they're supposed to be a handshake. And um, and uh, the, <laughs> I've never seen um, anyone like Nikki Haley avoid someone like Vivek Ramaswamy afterwards. She was not going to say, oh, uh, you know, what we say in the heat of the debate is one thing and move on. She just hates that guy. I mean, oh, hate. So if we always used to say, Daddy, we don't say hate. Okay. Um, she just despises that guy. Well, she called him scum. Yeah, I've never seen, somebody, never, uh, seen someone called that in a, 
presidential debate. And no, there's certainly no love lost. And um, yeah, they're both going to be around. They're they're relatively young, 37 and and 51, I think. So they're both going to be around the Republican Party for a long time and may have to coexist in some form. And sometimes politics, you can kind of look look past things like that. But uh, now that, you know, their their disagreements is basically a sideshow. I think Haley has to be careful. I mean, she's neck and neck with Ron DeSantis for kind of second place, the person being trying to be the most viable, credible alternative to Trump. And DeSantis is probably loving those exchanges because he can oh, kind sure. of rise above that fray a little bit. And, um, and I yeah, thought he, he did. I, I thought he did well. Did you think he did well? I did. I mean, he had um, kind of a home court advantage, the debate being in Miami. I think he really True. showed the advantages of being a sitting incumbent governor. You know, on like Israel, he was able to say, oh, I sent planes over to, to take people back to Florida. On China, he's able to talk about legislation passed regarding land ownership in his state and where Haley hasn't been governor for a long time. And so there are a lot of advantages to still being active and uh, being able to pass legislation in your state, which is a really big, important one. Aaron Call with us, uh, director of debate, University of Michigan. It, 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 was there a winner, Aaron? I thought DeSantis won. Uh, you know, DeSantis and Haley did the best. They're kind of a, a cut above everybody else. Um, but, yeah, I did think it was um, his best debate, and he didn't get uh, kind of dragged down into things like uh, Haley did with Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy's a, a very interesting cat. I don't, I'm not saying that as a good or bad thing. I'm just saying he's, he's very interesting to see a guy like that up on that stage and saying the things he says without a filter. Yeah, I mean, he attacked the head of the Republican National Committee who determines who even gets into the debate. He definitely can attract attention. Um, get, I think he got the third most amount of speaking time. But there is peril with that. Um, he also, his negatives are driven up because he gets involved in these so much. You know, I, I don't understand the new way these days. He attacked the moderators. <laughs> he attacked the moderators before they even began. He attacked the head of the Republican Party. He's just on a, on a roll. Kind of uh, interesting, kind of odd. Thanks for your expertise. Director of Debate, University of Michigan Debate Program, Aaron Call. Thanks, Aaron. Anytime. Uh, we'll do it again. I, I guess they have another debate coming up, and we'll look forward to that as we continue our special broadcast live from the Capitol Grill for an in-the-boardroom event sponsored by NECA, the National Electrical Contractors Association of Southeast Michigan, and it is our honor to be here with them. So nice to be with you on a very special Thursday, November 9th. If you're listening live, noon to 2, great to have you here with us live, and uh, great for you, too, to go to thegreatvoice.com, thegreatvoice.com, and uh, Rieger tells me now he's putting pictures with the interviews. That was nice, Rieger. Nice addition to uh, thegreatvoice.com. And you can listen to individual uh, interviews. Or if you look at the time on the, uh, on the podcast, if it says an hour and five minutes or whatever, obviously that's the whole show. So uh, while we've been sitting here, let's see. Well, um, I, I think we just heard this in the news. Uh, Israel agreeing to daily four-hour pauses in the Gaza assault. So um, they say it's a crucial breakthrough for the global effort to provide humanitarian aid to Gaza. Israel has agreed to this daily four-hour pause in fighting across northern Gaza. Uh, The U.S. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby saying today that the Israelis had committed to announcing each four-hour window at least three hours in advance starting today. 
Israel also was opening a second corridor for civilians to flee the areas being pounded by Israel's military campaign aimed at wiping out Hamas after the brutal October 7th attack on the border communities with a coastal road joining the territory's main north-south highway. Here's the thing, uh, and maybe, Rieger, you can tell me this. The biggest problem we have is you can't tell um, a member of Hamas from a, just a typical Palestinian, can you? How could you? You're right. Maybe if they're shooting at you, you know. And even then, I'm not so certain. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is kind of, is it just me, or does everyone understand this is hopeless? It hasn't it been hopeless since it's been... About a thousand years? I mean, going on forever? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like uh, they've been fighting for as long as I've been alive, and it'll be longer. Yeah. I'm afraid it, it will be. Marjorie Taylor Greene pushes to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Mayorkas, over the border crisis. Well, I, I'm going to say that the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, is taking his orders from the President of the United States, or his lack of orders from the President of the United States. Apparently, uh, the Biden family still has not figured out a way to make more money off the uh, border, unless they're getting paid tremendous amounts of dark money for letting these animals, these terrorists, come walking into our country. Anyway, so the people that are going to get that 15-minute break, um, I mean, get a, <laughs> that four-hour break um, and, uh, and try to leave, could be... Hamas doing the same. I mean, they could just be walking out, too. It, it, there's no way of knowing who's who's what, who's where. Eh, just, I don't know. Let me get to a happy note. This is a happy note. We have a great uh, friend and colleague named Link Besser. You've heard me mention him before. And his wife is Stephanie, lovely Stephanie. And they are Iowa-bound to cheer on their daughter, Zoe Besser, because Zoe is a member of the Big Ten champion Iowa Hawkeyes soccer team. And they're heading into this weekend's NCAA tournament. So good for Zoe, good for the whole Bessert family. Good luck, Zoe, Link, Stephanie, and Brother Ben. And I will happily shout out something I'm not sure I've ever yelled out before. Go Hawkeyes! I don't think I've ever said that in my life. But I'm saying it now in soccer. For Zoe Bessert and our friend and colleague, Link Bessert, and his lovely wife, Stephanie, and the whole family, Ben, too. Uh, so that's why uh, Link isn't going to be with us the next couple of days, because he's on his way to Iowa. So God bless him. Yeah, they're going to be playing against um, a Bucknell, 6 p.m. tomorrow. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Where do you watch something like that? That is a great question. I'll have to look that up. Okay. Um, and do you know where the man sitting next to you is going to be uh, over the next several days? Yeah, I do. He will be in Happy Valley, and then on the and then on, and then on to Madison Square Garden. Tony Butler, who engineers our shows and has been with the radio station forever, is also still doing Michigan football, Michigan basketball, and he travels to all these places in between doing his work here. So he's got like a nine-hour drive to Happy Valley, and and may they not be so happy after you leave. He'll he'll run the equipment for the Michigan game. And then he'll have to make his way to Madison Square Garden. But you fly uh, with the team for that one, and which has got to be a lot of fun, really. 
And uh, and then what? Do you go home and sleep, or do you not sleep ever? You you go home and sleep. All right. Okay. Good for you. Um, thanks to the guys too who are new advertisers on my show, Genesis Cadillac, and that means uh, the whole Gagliano family. We've got Grace Lopez, Rob, and Rick Gagliano, and uh, uh, recently I've had experience with this uh, fabulous Genesis Cadillac Collision Center and Joe Winterine, uh, who runs that and has done a great job. I'm, it's just great getting out and meeting some of our new advertisers and uh, and, and getting service from them uh, because of uh, some of our, our needs. My car was involved in a little mishap that I wasn't involved in, thank goodness. Um, and now it's uh, it's getting fixed. And they do all kinds of cars. They do all. They don't just do Cadillacs. They do all different kinds of vehicles. I've never seen such an incredible collision center. I, I think that's where the business is going a lot of times, um, because it, this place is huge. I've never, se- like I say, I've never seen a collision center as big as this one, Genesis Cadillac uh, Collision Center. Anyway, nice to have them on as advertisers and. Uh, and now uh, being a customer of theirs as well. We are going to be talking with uh, Jason Head in just a moment, uh, and he's bringing along. Jason is the Assistant Executive Director, National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA, and Jeff Smiley, Vice President of Operations at Superior Electric Great Lakes uh, Company. And, and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but lithium batteries uh, for one. And, uh, you know, I... I I got to ask the experts about those lithium batteries. We we had another story the other day of a, a lithium lithium battery catching on fire on an airplane, which is why they tell you not to pack them in your luggage, uh, in the luggage uh, cargo area. They say to put them in your carry-on so that if there's a problem, they will know about it. Anyway, what else is going on here? We talked about the debate. I'm tired of talking about it. Um, I did. I kind of agreed. Uh, I think DeSantis did do very well with our debate expert. Um, there's some, uh, the stories are all bizarre. Like an industrial robot in South Korea has attacked and killed a man who was inspecting it. He's inspecting this thing, and it it confused him for a box of something and smashed him to death. <laughs> don't don't laugh. But it's uh, it's it's just it's, these calls. These stories are just. GM recalls robo taxi after pedestrian is dragged. The pedestrian, the, the robo-taxi understood it was in an accident, so it, like it was trained to do, pulled over to the side of the road. Unfortunately, it dragged the woman with it. Yeah, we're not quite there yet with the automated technology. No. We're getting there. But. No, and I wish, I wish. What's but since you name? like really good news, here you go. Oh, good. Let me see. There you go. There's a good. nice little story for you. Biden's agenda is popular, but his age is still a problem. Oh, that's not the one. That's a, still sitting there with that one. California Dreamin', Ford rolls out a Mustang California Special. They've added another ground-pawing pony to <laughs> to its seventh-generation Mustang stable. The Mustang California Special pays homage to the 1968 OG that became a hot property more than 50 years ago as the Mustang craze swept America. Over 317,000 units were sold in that year alone, and privateers customize their steeds. All right, so that's kind of good news if you can, uh, you know, afford to do something like that. By the way, I used to have a bunch of $2 bills. I'm going to try to tell you quickly. Um, I 
was told by a friend uh, that if you are traveling, especially out of the country, and you give a $2 bill as a tip, this is 20 years ago, if you give a $2 bill as a tip, it makes the person who gets that tip very happy because they never see. I'm going to tell you who it was. Beloved Eddie Jonah, who had the Merchant of Eno, then sold to Plum Markets, and he's just a brilliant man. Eddie and Juliet, beautiful people. I haven't seen them in years. But he said, you know, I give off the $2 bills, and people are thrilled. They're happy. I did that for a while, and I wish I had every one of those $2 bills back. Did you see in the news that the $2 bill might be worth $5,000? What the heck is that about? Do you know any of the details on why a $2 bill? I'm going to find out. They're they're not hundreds of years old. $2 bills were not that long ago, but they can be worth $5,000. What's got to be? What's There must be. I don't know. Is there an error? Is there something on them that? That cause, causes them to all of a sudden be worth, I wish I had every $2 bill back I ever gave out. Eddie Jonah, ahead of his time, he always has done the right thing. He has always done the right thing. I love Eddie. I wish I'd see him. I haven't seen him in a while. But anyway, did you see anything there? Yeah, I got something coming for you. Well, don't print it. Just tell me. What it, don't it says don't that spare the, the trees. It says that the... Uh, the U.S. currency auctions estimates that uncirculated two-dollar bills from 1890 could sell 1890? could sell from for up to forty-five hundred dollars. What? Is, I didn't know they had them in 1890. Yeah. Oh, so those two-dollar bills I gave out—that they were worth two dollars. It says that the the auction site reports that collectors are offering these rates. You know, some of them for a thousand dollars for different years, up to forty-five hundred, depending on factors such as location and printing method. So you have to take that all into account if you really missed those $2 bills that you were giving out as tips. I think there's a good chance I did not have a, a, a $2 bill. <laughs> I'd go to the bank and get a little stack of them. I don't think they were handing out But it 18. does say also newer bills have a significant value, too. So. Oh, well, then that, <laughs> I was feeling good until you said that. Check your $2 bills. It's uh, <laughs> This is Focus on WJR. So great to be here with our friends from NECA, and that includes Jason Head, Assistant Executive Director, National Electrical Contractors Association. Jason, always good to see you, sir. Likewise, Paul W., thanks for having us. This was a great event. Thank you for having us, and you brought along Jeff Smiley, Vice President of Operations at Superior Electric Great Lakes Company. Jeff? Nice to have you here. Nice to meet you. Yep, thanks for having me on. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Superior and maybe some of the signature projects you're involved with that we might know? Yeah, sure. So Superior Electric has been around since uh, the early 1990s. We hire through the IBEW, which is IB International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, and we are a NECA contractor. Um, we came up doing automotive for General Motors, Chrysler, Ford, and we mostly have done that. Um, Obviously, lately, the EV startup has pushed a lot of projects our way. Uh, We're working down in Nashville doing a battery plant there. Um, Same battery plant over in Lansing, um, about in the middle of that one. There's a bunch coming in the Midwest. Uh, They're all under NDAs. Not allowed to talk about them yet, but it it continues. Oh, come on. You can tell us. (laughs) (laughs) It continues to explode. Um, It's been good opportunity for our company, good opportunity for the union to showcase what they can do all over the country, and uh, we've used that to kind of – more than triple our, our company in the last seven years. So, wow. Yeah, it's been good. Good for you. Uh, Jason, what kinds of growth are you seeing with uh, uh, battery storage, EVs, other new energy technologies? Yep. You're seeing a lot of it. 
Paul W., it's amazing the uh, opportunities that are there for our contractors. We, uh, we're seeing a lot of growth in energy storage, battery storage, electric vehicle, electric vehicle charging, obviously, and then other uh, new energy technologies. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, amazing the, uh, the advancements that, uh, that are happening almost daily with, uh, with energy storage and the efficiencies with, uh, with battery technology. And also, uh, you know, they use a lot of that kind of technology to help with the, uh, with the grid stability. So it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I, I, I hate to bring this up, but I would be remiss if I didn't. You know, when we think of batteries, I talked earlier about a, another story of somebody having something with a, a lithium-ion battery, I believe, in, in, on a plane. And, you know, that scares the heck out of everybody, as you might guess. Um, I know there's a lot of research. Everybody's looking at these batteries, trying to make sure that they are less likely to cause troubles, less likely to, to fail uh, less prone to battery fires, um, while also increasing energy storage. So where are we in that area? Because so, if I ignored it, it'd be wrong. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions around it. I think there's a lot of people that are concerned about what they don't know. Quite simply, the car is simpler with the battery in it. You think about a car now, you drive around with gasoline in it, and if you've seen gasoline light on fire, you would never get in one of those, right? Um, <laughs> but they're they're putting a lot of... Uh, a lot of things in play. A lot of there's a lot of technology. Is there concern? There may still be concern, but I, I feel like uh, they're definitely advanced. But there's a lot of money going into it, and they're pretty much all over it. Well, I gotta believe. I mean, that's because people believe EVs are the future. Right. Not everybody believes it, but enough people yep. believe it. Um, and so I gotta believe all the best minds are working on that to try to make them uh, safer. I'm told that solid state batteries are the next generation. So what? I don't even know what that means. The is that new or is that just another opportunity? I, I don't think I. Well, solid state's Jason, been around I don't for. Know that, I don't think that you agree with what I just said. No, no, no. Solid state's been around for a very, very long time. It's a very uh, a proven uh, technology. Uh, I think that there was such a push for the uh, lithium ion, and uh, maybe maybe we uh, were more uh, we were more focused on getting the vehicles out there, getting the storage uh, energy storage capacity out there. And now I think they're refining it. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, since uh, 2022, there was uh, new registrations for electric vehicles were up 55% wow. from 2022 to 2023. So, there, you know, as we evolve and, uh, and uh, with the help of things like the Infrastructure uh, Act uh, authorization, you know, that itself is going to put uh, 500,000 EV chargers on, on, uh, across uh, North America. So as we have those kind of uh, incentives through the government, it's just going to only make things a lot easier for our contractors uh, to be able to do this kind of work. And, and all of these things we talk about, uh, Paul W., I mean, they're perfect opportunities for an electrical contractor. If, if, uh, if, if you're looking to be uh, in the trades now, now would be the time to be an electrician if you wanted to go that route, without a doubt. Well, Nika helps people do that without a doubt. And with National Apprenticeship Week happening this next week, you're going to meet a lot of people, a lot of young people who are starting to finally get the message that this is a tremendous area of opportunity for them that they might not have thought of. Yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, so if, if, if you have uh, somebody knows of somebody that wants to get into the limited energy group or the residential group, they could, uh, they could visit our website for our training center, and it's, DetroitEITC.org, and you'll be able to say there's a tab on there how to apply, and we're opening up ap applications uh, 
the week of November 20th, I believe that is. All right, the week of November 20th. We're looking around to make sure that it is correct. Uh, it's nice that you have people, you know. You have people, and they just gave us the thumbs up. That is correct. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm confident. <laughs> and, that, and I ask to repeat it again, DetroitEITC.org? Yes. DetroitEITC.org, and, uh, and if this is a big week coming up, uh, an opportunity for you if you're looking to upgrade what you've been doing, where you are, what you want to check out, if it's even going into your first career. Jason Head is Assistant Executive Director, National Electrical Contractors Association. We lovingly call them NECA. And Jeff Smiley, Vice President of Operations at Superior Electric Great Lakes a Company, very nice meeting you, hearing a little bit more about what you do, and I'm sure we'll learn more as time goes on. Thank you very much, Paul. It's great being here with Thank you. Thank you very much. As we continue in focus at Capitol Grill on WJR. Busy week. We were, uh, we were out and about yesterday. We're out and about today at the beautiful Capitol Grill. And tomorrow, uh, our Veterans Day celebration will be at the Gather and Grounds at uh, 25,709 Van Dyke in Centerline. 25,709 Van Dyke in Centerline, the Gather and Grounds, tomorrow from noon to 2. And Mark Hackle's going to be pretty much kind of co-hosting, I think. I mean, he's, he's going to be with us for the whole broadcast. This is his big deal for veterans. God bless Mark Hackle, uh, Macomb County Executive. And, and we're looking forward to spending time with him tomorrow and maybe with you. But yesterday we did our... 13th annual Women Who Lead, Ann Thomas's idea from 13, 14, 15 years ago when we first started talking about it. We all said, well, that's a great idea. Good job, Ann. Let's do it. And we did it. And yesterday, the Women Who Lead honorees for 2023 included Pamela Ahe Thomas, Caitlin Riney, Heidi Kassab, Lenora Hardy Foster, Rachel Lutz, Dr. Nishtesh Sareen, Rachel Stewart, Heather Ray, Michelle Gardner, Linda Solomon, Dr. Leslie Farquhar-Zanetti, and Alyssa Slotkin. And three of our winners could not be there with us. One of them is on the other end of our line right now. Dr. Leslie Zanetta, clinical pharmacist, uh, one of our women who lead, who you are so busy. I understand you're calling me from an airport. Good afternoon. Yes, Paul W., that's um, correct. I um, was leading a team meeting out in San Francisco, and I'm flying home today, but I'm glad I have the time to um, to talk to you because it's so inspiring to be in the same class with these 12 incredible women, and I'm honored to be a part of the Women Who Lead program. Leslie, Leslie Zanetti, you have spent your career elevating the role of a clinical pharmacist as an integral part of a remarkable healthcare program. Can you tell us what that means, what what a clinical pharmacist is and does? Sure, absolutely. Um, if you go to the core of the, the pharmacy profession, the, the intent is to be a patient-centered healthcare provider. And our goal as a clinical pharmacist is to improve an individual's quality of life. And, and this is by helping patients get better with safe and accurate um, use of their medications. And so the role of the clinical pharmacist can be many. There's pharmacists who work in the retail setting. You can be in the hospital setting. 
um, our managed care plans, for instance, across the Shield of Michigan, Health Alliance plan, they all have clinical pharmacists who are looking at the, the effectiveness and the safety and efficacy of all the drugs as they evaluate them to be included on, you know, kind of like their preferred list. And I think that the listeners out there know what a preferred list is. And then um, I've taken a unique role where I am now using my clinical pharmacy skills and I'm working for a um, small biotech company where we um, manufacture therapies for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And um, the role of myself and my, my team of clinical pharmacists is that we provide the clinical information of our products to all of the payers across the country. And I understand uh, you, you mentioned the uh, cardiovascular uh, cardiovascular care treatments for muscular dystrophy, um, and it, it, this is kind of fascinating because people kind of think they get a prescription, they get a drug uh, that a doctor tells them they should take, and that's that. But there's all kinds of extra help that I'm assuming is part of this whole role that you fulfill so well of a clinical pharmacist. Yes, that is correct. It really, if you think about it, um, I think the clinical pharmacist can provide the role of offering personalized pharmaceutical information. And really, we want better health, better care for everybody. And I know as I was coming over here getting ready for this interview, I was telling my colleague, I said, you know, one thing that I want to say today is that the role of the clinical pharmacist is here to make sure patients get the right medication and they take it safe and they have the right outcome that we're looking for. And when folks go to the retail pharmacist, you know, feel free to ask for the pharmacist and talk to them. We love to get questions. We love to talk about the medications, if there's any kind of side effects, any particular things to monitor for. That is our role. And we just are considered, you know, key members of the healthcare team. A lot of times the pharmacist is going to be a behind the scenes you may not see them but we'd love to be up in the forefront and you know promoting our profession so we can do better you know for patients yeah i i I think if you look up if you look up patient advocate in the dictionary your picture might be there leslie (laughs) because you. you sound like the ultimate patient advocate and everybody needs one and so i i really want to salute you for that and i want to make sure because i have two different pieces of paper one refers to you as Dr. Leslie Farquhar Zanetti, and I've just been calling you Leslie Zanetti. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole name as we give you this award. Dr. Leslie Farquhar Zanetti, congratulations. In this, our 13th annual Women Who Lead, congratulations for being one of our very special honorees. God bless you. Thank you so much for this honor. If you were there with us yesterday, you would hear thunderous applause from the people that were with us. There we go. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I hear them. <laughs> because you deserve it. Thank you, doctor, very much. Oh, thank God you. God bless you. Okay. Safe flying home. Safe flying home. Thank you. We continue on WJR. Yeah, I want to thank all those nice people from uh, NECA. Maybe they've gotten to their cars by now and they can hear me thank them on the radio because these are great people. I'm telling you, uh, the NECA Board of Directors, uh, the leader, Tom Middlebrun, uh, Executive Director of Southeastern Michigan NECA, and, of course, Jason Head we just had on it, Assistant Executive Director. Jennifer Mefford, uh, Director of Business Development, who organizes all these great events, and we thank you, Jennifer, for inviting us again. All the NECA staff, great. I, I saw Jamie Bohannock there. 
Um, and uh, and for that matter, the Capitol Grill team, too. This is a wonderful place to be, to do a show, and for those lucky people who got to eat. Uh, Tim Wilkins, a managing partner. Lisa Banish uh, takes care of special events, holiday parties. All the servers and chefs doing a, a great job. I especially liked uh, Lomas Brown and Sean Belegian joining us for the an hour. Or, well, we did a half an hour before we went on the air, and then they came on the air with us, too. Uh, it's all been fun. It's all been great. But you know, while we're here, and Tim uh, Wilkins is on the road, not uh, with us, so I wanted to have him on at the end to talk a little bit about, obviously, this wonderful Thanksgiving that's coming up. Uh, there's the Thanksgiving in the dining room uh, with a full dinner menu also available, but they also have the slow-roasted turkey, brioche stuffing, French green beans, cranberry pear chutney. Uh, is that how you say it? Chutney? Um, and then Sam's mashed potatoes, pecan-crusted mashed sweet potatoes with hot honey for a little extra, and a pumpkin cheesecake uh, from the pastry chef, again, uh, for a little bit extra. But you can also get this food to to use it at home. Um, in your own dining room, if not the Capitol Grill dining room, you can you can get the brioche stuffing, the French green beans, cranberry pear chutney, all that stuff. Um, so ask them about that if you want to you help out. Or if you're going to someone's house, what a nice uh, collection of things to take to their house. I maybe should pay close attention to that. Um, and, and by the way, it's uh, holiday season, so the gift cards are back. Uh, the gift cards are phenomenal. They're a great gift to give someone who has everything. You say, I don't know what to get them. Well, you get them a Capital Grill gift card, and they're going to be very happy. If you buy enough of them, you can ask them. There's a new e-gift card. There's a traditional gift card. The metal gift card is a $1,000 gift card. That's a, I hope I get many of those. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, but they, they have a metal gift card, 1000 to $2,000. Matt, if you're thinking of something, you need to get me. Uh, anyway, so, uh, and you get the set of, we used to say when I did the commercials, perfectly balanced steak knives. But it doesn't say perfectly balanced on this, this little advertisement. So maybe they're not perfectly balanced anymore. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Thanksgiving Day, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., full dinner menu also available. Uh, Thanksgiving feature, $55 for adults, $20 for children, all the things that I mentioned, and then the Thanksgiving to-go bundles, too. That's $135. You pick up Wednesday, November 22nd from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and even Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. I think you can get some cold stuff or you can get some hot stuff, whatever you can get. It's worth it. And, again, purchases of $500 or more of those beautiful, beautiful gift cards, you'll receive a set of steak knives in a mahogany case. It kind of broke me up a little bit, if you noticed, as I was trying to read that. Um, <laughs> purchases of $1,000 or more receive a set of steak knives and a 10% bonus card that never expires, and it's metal, and I think you get kissed. I think they will kiss you. I don't, I can't, that's not, it's not on the copy. I'm just guessing. Okay, you, uh, you were doing a little work here, Rieger. I know that's shocking to the people who usually sit next to you in the studio, but you were doing work, and you've come up with some stories. Um, and you said the Pizza Hut story was your favorite, so I'm going to look at that one right now for the first yeah. time. I thought the headline caught me off. Oh no, bit. no, 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 no! How could you do this? The headline: Pizza Hut in Hong Kong rolls out snake meat pizza for a limited time. Are you kidding me? Is this true? Anything in Hong Kong, right? Anything goes. Pizza Hut introduced a new and exotic pizza option available only in Hong Kong. That's good. 
It's garnering attention around the world. The new pizza is topped with ugh, <laughs> finely shredded snake meat, giving it a distinctive texture and flavor. What, are they running out of ideas? Is that what's happening? They're running out of ideas. I guess it's going to have a distinct texture and flavor, yeah. Can you see that meeting? I thought the meeting when the guy says, let's put pineapple on the pizza, would have been a strange one. But they've run out but of But I know stuff. how much of now a pizza. It's, let's know, put snake on a pizza. I know how much of a pizza aficionado you are. So I love I thought, pizza. So I thought you'd find this either very appetizing oh my. Or, or appalling. You apparently haven't been with me long enough to know that I have an unbelievable fear of snakes. Really? When I was doing my television show 100 years ago in Toledo, Ohio, we were doing a broadcast from the Toledo Zoo. And the team thought it'd be real funny. It's a live television show. Did it every day. The team thought it would be funny because they knew I was afraid of snakes. That at the end of the television show, they had four guys walk in with a boa constrictor. It took four guys to carry. That's how big this snake was. It, they came in and they said, Paul, we have a little something for you. Then I walked right off the set. I walked out of the camera range in the picture. And I said, thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. I was out of there. I mean, I am deathly afraid of snakes. I don't like snakes. And if I were to be pushed into admitting, I don't like spiders and snakes. And there's a song in that that I should have written but did not. Anyway, so no, that's your great story. No, I'm not using that. Let's go to this one. Um, Why don't get this one? Flush with new funding, the IRS zeroes in on the taxes of uber-wealthy Americans. I thought they were losing that new funding. Maybe not, huh? The IRS assures the public that audit rates will not increase for taxpayers earning less than $400,000 a year, a threshold that roughly corresponds to the top 2% of earners. That figure has attained symbolic symbolic value given President Joe Biden's repeated pledge not to raise taxes on people who earn less. And I think he likes 400000 because that's, I think, the going rate for the Biden crime syndicate for all the things that they uh, are, are stealing using our country. Uh, oh, I can't say that? I thought I could say that. I'm just kidding, of course. I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks to the team. Go to thegreatvoice.com for the podcasts and all legal action. Thegreatvoice.com, and you can hear the show. Uh, thanks to uh, the team, uh, Dave Rieger, Brian Morton, Rich Luzinski, Daniel Mason, Tony Butler, and even Matt, who's here now, who he missed everything. I appreciate you being here, Matt. Uh, and uh, stand by for news. That's it. And JR Afternoon, the one and only Chris Renwick will be here. Go on out and make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count each day is a gift. Regards, Paul W. Smith.